Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 32 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. With it being mid-January right now, New Year's resolutions are either going strong or starting to fizzle out no matter how good our intentions were on January 1st. The other day, I was actually reading an article about New Year's resolutions and they had polled over 1,000 people and among that sample, almost half of them had diet resolutions with the top approaches being low carb, basic calorie restriction which could include just eating healthier, keto, and low fat. And as a wellness coach, I definitely have my own opinions about all of these approaches, cough, cough, especially keto, but I wanted to bring on someone even more specialized to chat about diets, nutrition, and how they fit into a healthy lifestyle. So I have brought on this week registered dietitian and WNBF bikini pro, Kara Corey. Now, Kara really specializes in providing science-based, accurate nutrition information for the fitness community, and she does so through her YouTube channel, Kara Corey Fit Life, where she has a dietitian talk series, documents her competition preps, and shares tons of healthy recipes and lifestyle tips with over 100,000 subscribers. Her channel has blown up and for good reason because Kara truly knows her stuff and is going to share it all with us today. So in this interview, Kara and I covered a ton of topics, but the standouts to me were really breaking down where to start if you're overwhelmed with nutrition. Information overwhelm is so real how to make healthy eating a truly enjoyable lifestyle, and how we can pursue physical health and mental health at the same time and use food to do that. Like I said, so much good stuff this week. I know you're going to love this episode, but before we hear from Kara, let's do the review of the week. And this one is actually also from another Kara, but it's K-A-R-R-A-H, Kara V on iTunes. She said, not your typical health slash fitness podcast, five stars. I have been following Marie for a couple years now and have seen her go through her fitness journey. I love that she has brought her own personal experiences and lessons into this podcast. I think that is what separates this show from other fitness and health podcasts. She has also introduced me to so many new people to follow and learn from by interviewing them. If you're looking for a podcast that will help give you fitness, wellness, health, motivation, and inspiration, as well as some gratitude, then you have found the right one. Take a listen and you won't be disappointed. Thank you so, so much, Kara. I really am so grateful that this show gives me an opportunity to share my own story as well as lift up the stories of my amazing guests, other women, and share a variety of perspectives and topics that can help us all level up in tons of different ways. Since you followed my personal fitness journey, you know that I've tried so many different things and overcome so many struggles and just have gone through so many different chapters. And so it's really, really important to me to share a variety of perspectives and topics and just aspects because I've really found that there's no one size fits all solution and there's no one right way to be healthy and fit and confident. So thank you so much for seeing that and speaking to that for this show. And I'm really glad that you're here. 
As a thank you for your review, Kara, I would love to send you a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt. Once you hear this, go ahead and DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold to let me know and I'll get your size and your shipping info. And if you're listening right now and you're not Kara V, you can get a chance at winning too by leaving the show a rating and review on iTunes. You just might be featured on the show and be a proud new owner of the limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirts that aren't even for sale right now. And leaving a rating and review literally takes just one minute but makes my entire day. So thank you in advance if you do so. All you need to do is search for the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Make sure that you hit subscribe and then find the ratings and reviews section to add your own. This week's show is brought to you by my ride or die supplement company, PE Science. PE Science has been in my corner for years and years now. Like I said, I have gone through so many different chapters of my fitness journey and they have supported me through them all from college volleyball to bikini competitions, to powerlifting, to hormone balancing, and now just overall wellness. They have helped me do it all. They have a huge variety of super high quality purity guaranteed products, but the ones I personally use every single day are the vegan select protein, especially the cinnamon and peanut butter flavors, the women's true multivitamin, the Symbiont GI, which is a probiotic and digestive enzyme blend, and their omega-3 plus fish oil, which just supports overall wellness. All of these combined are like my little team of supplement superheroes, and they work together to make sure that I continue to feel my best, see progress toward my goals, and maintain my overall health. Now, if you're looking specifically for a protein powder, I just love their options. The vegan one is great for anyone who avoids dairy or just wants a more natural option. It's made from a blend of pea and brown rice protein and sweetened with stevia. So you can really feel good about taking it. And just the best part about PE Science as a whole is that they take product quality and efficacy super, super seriously, guys. Everything is backed by science, clinically dosed, and tested for purity before it makes it to you. And they're one of the few truly trustworthy and honest companies in the industry. And that's one of the reasons I'm so proud to be part of their family. So if you want to check out all of the products PE Science has to offer and grab some of my favorites, you can head to PEScience.com to start shopping. And be sure to enter discount code Marie at checkout to save 15% on your entire order. Again, that's P-E-S-C-I-E-N-C-E dot com. And the 15% off code is just my name, Marie, M-A-R-I-E. Thank you again to PE Science for being this week's podcast sponsor. And now let's jump into the episode. Hey, Kara. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me here. I'm super excited. And I know that we have some super valuable, just really great insights. And I think I always look to you as like one of the no BS nutrition experts <laughs> in like our space in the internet. So I'm super excited for my people to hear from you. And I'm sure they can't wait for some of your dietitian talk, which is like one of your main YouTube series, but we're going to bring it onto the podcast today. But before we dig in, can you give us a rundown on who you are, what you do, and what brought you to being the expert in the fitness and nutrition space that you are today? Sure. Well, first, I want to say thank you, Marie, for having me on the podcast. I'm very grateful to be here. Yeah. So a little bit about myself. I am a registered dietitian. I completed my schooling way back in the day now in 2005. So I've been a registered dietitian for over 10 years now. And I've always had a love for fitness, though. Like It was something ingrained in me Like at a very young age. 
I joined a gym when I was like 15 just because I wanted to work out because I loved working out. So I've always really been interested in fitness. And when I was in college, I began training for marathons. And between running marathons and going through school and really increasing my knowledge about nutrition and combining that with being an athlete and how that all works and how fueling your body can impact your performance. It really just kind of kept me very involved and interested in the fitness industry. So I ran marathons for a number of years and also got into the bodybuilding world as well. And as you know, that really has a lot of nutritional impacts as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, between doing that and just working as a dietitian, I've worked with really the full spectrum of people throughout my career now. I started working um, in the university for a little while with college-age students, a lot of athletes, lacrosse students, track team students. I also worked in nursing homes with geriatrics. And for the majority of my career now, I've been working at a psychiatric hospital here in New York State. So I really feel like I've worked with the gamut of all the yeah, different seriously. types of folks yeah, you could work with. So I've got a lot of experience in that regard. And most recently, just, you know, with the social media scene, I've been on YouTube for quite a number of years now. So I've kind of increased like my online coaching as well with folks who reach out. Yeah, very, very cool. So with becoming a registered dietitian, like, what was your main reason for deciding that that was the path that you wanted to go down? Yeah, that's a really good question. At a young age, I kind of I kind of took notice that a large portion of both sides had issues with overweight and obesity and I learned a little bit more about some of the heart disease that we had in our family, high blood pressure, diabetes, things like that. My mom's mom, my grandmother died at a very young age of heart disease, so it got me really interested in kind of how we can prevent it from a young age. And I think I did like a couple home and careers classes when I was in high school and they taught nutrition and I I loved it. And I wasn't like a person that loved school, but that class really just got me interested in learning more and wanting to know more. So that kind of, for me, triggered wanting to go to school to learn more about nutrition. And I know not a lot of people go to school and end up doing what they went to school for. But for mm -hmm. me, it just, it really clicked and it ended up being my passion at a really young age. So yeah, that's so cool. Because I was going to ask, like you said, it's so common for people to go to school for one thing and then do something else. Like I have a degree in marketing and I, I use it yeah. every day, but I didn't go like right. work in a marketing department or something like that. Yeah. So with like your passion for nutrition and now that like social media is huge and all of that, and now there are even more options to like study and get credentialed in the field of nutrition other than being a registered dietitian. Like if you had right. all the options that exist now, do you feel like you would still do the exact track that you took? Yeah, actually, that's a great question. I do think I would. And part of the reason that is, is because in my opinion, I feel like registered dietitians, we are still kind of like your gold standard in, mm -hmm. a, in a saturated industry and not knowing who knows what, you know, you get certifications from multiple different places. And I do really feel like I hold my degree to a very high standard that, you know, I can help people beyond just wanting to lose weight. You know, I can calculate tube feedings if someone was in an ICU or for those that are on dialysis, very severe nutritional needs. There's a lot of very severe medical issues 
And, you know, a registered dietitian is really the expert that can assist with that. And I know that doesn't really appeal to a lot of people. Like a lot of people want to do the sports nutrition. But for me, I personally really enjoy with some of those challenging patients, the people that really do have a lot of medical issues. And, you know, I think the schooling for being a registered dietitian is probably the only avenue that's going to get you that type of education to really assist with any kind of issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's a lot of pressure, but it's also probably really, really rewarding to know that you're playing such a crucial role in someone's like health or healing or whatever the situation might be. So if you have like so much, I don't want to say pressure necessarily, but like the stakes are high in your kind of day job, so to speak. So do you find that like coaching people online and just having more like lifestyle kinds. Is that like fun and relaxing for you then? Yeah, it is really relaxing. I mean, it's still like in a way it can still be stressful and feel like pressure. And I'm sure you've even experienced this too, but because you want it so bad for the people that you work with sometimes that Mm -hmm. you wish you could do it for them, you know, and it's hard to see people struggle, especially when you relate to those struggles and you've been there, you know, so it can be stressful. But for me, it truly is. It's a passion of mine. And so even though I do this outside of my day job, I don't think of it as even though, you know, people are like, oh, you work like two to three jobs. I don't really ever consider it a job to me. I just I truly enjoy it. I don't do it for money. I do it. I mean, yeah, I get paid, but I do it because I want to help people, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's really what makes me feel um, satisfied at the end of the day. So Yeah. And I think what separates a decent coach from a great coach is someone that like really loves it and serving and helping is at the core of what they do. And I want to talk about one of your other jobs, so to speak, on YouTube. So you make videos all the time. You're always having new recipes up, new dietitian talks. And in your dietitian talks, like that's one of my favorite things that you do because you're super honest and you kind of just break down the bro science and the BS and you back it up with a lot of like science-based stuff and evidence and then like teach people how to apply it to themselves. So it's like very approachable and no nonsense at the same time. So for people that aren't familiar with that series, like what types of topics do you usually like to talk about? Yeah. Well, you you described it perfectly. Really with the dietitian talks, part of starting that was I just you know, a lot of people, when they hear I'm a dietitian, they've always got something for me, you know, they're like, Oh, what about this blood type diet? Or what about this cookie diet? I just saw, what do you think? Or, you know, there's always a story for me about either themselves or their family member, things they've seen that they want to know if it's ridiculous or if it's valuable, if it's good information. So the series was something I wanted to start because there's so much misinformation out there. It's, we make things so confusing for even us as dietitians, it gets really confusing to know what's good information and what's not. So the dietitian talks, I tend to pick something that's like current and trendy, whether it's, you know, your current fad diet. There's always one. There's always one. There's plenty. Different dieting styles, different trends that are even popular on social media that I'll pick up on and just discuss it. And like you said, I will try to do my own research on the background, look at the research, look at, you know, the evidence there and really try to give the viewers my professional opinion. And again, not every dietitian has the same professional opinion, but I try to keep it science-based 
but also present the information in a way that, you know, the viewer can understand it because the science, the biochemistry, that can be really tricky and you can lose people really easy. Mm -hmm. People don't want to spend an hour, you know, receiving a lecture about science. They just want you to tell them what to do and what not to do. So I try, you know, keep it concise and keep it where it's relatable in just layman's terms for the average viewer, maybe someone first getting started, try to keep it simple so that people can have good, quick takeaways to, you know, better be able to create some habits and maybe not be confused. And mm-hmm. so the other thing too is, you know, it's not cheap necessarily to hire a coach or to hire a registered dietitian. And insurance doesn't even cover, you know, just the average person going to see a dietitian. So that was another thought of mine too with creating this series was kind of having a space where people didn't have to pay money. I'm truly trying to give good free information to help people out. Yeah. So this is just a random question, but what would you say is one of the most unfounded or like the craziest fads or concepts that you've like addressed in your series? Hmm. Craziest. I mean, I would say the most popular has been intermittent fasting. Anytime mm, I do yeah. talks on intermittent fasting, those get loads of views, loads of opinions. So that's a huge trending one. For sure. And let's see, what else has been crazy? I don't know if anything's been really that crazy. I would say controversial has been keto. Mm, yeah. I did a talk on keto about a year ago, and I do try to keep my personal opinion out of it. As a dietitian, that's my job. I'm not supposed to put on to you or anyone else what my personal approach is. I'm supposed to just kind of keep it basic, you know, keep it what's best for that person. And when I did, it was hard for me to, I think, keep my opinion out of it, but I did try to keep it non-biased. And it was very controversial because keto has been hot the past year. And there was a ton, Mm -hmm. you know, I got all the people on keto coming into the comment section with their studies and what's worked for them and, you know, got blasted with a little, a little hate there. Right. Isn't that so interesting how people (laughs) defend their dieting style or their nutritional choices as if it's like their religion? Absolutely. Like it's so dogmatic where people just identify with it so strongly. So they feel like if you're discrediting it, it's like a personal attack on their character. But yeah, I mean, that just goes to show how much we attach ourselves to like the way we eat and how central it is to our lives. Right. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everyone can relate though to feeling just really overwhelmed and like they're experiencing information overload. Like when they're trying to figure out what nutritional protocol that they should do or how they should eat or what diet they should pick or how many calories they should eat. Like how on earth, if they don't want to sift through studies and like, you know, spend hours and hours researching every day, how on earth does someone figure out what works best for them? Like where is somewhere that you can point people? Okay. Yeah. I think, you know, for a lot of people and even dietitians, like you said, it gets very confusing out there. You know, number one, if someone can afford the help of a coach, if someone trained with a certification or a registered dietitian, that's obviously going to be a huge help. For Mm -hmm. even someone like myself, I'll work with a coach because it's nice to have a second sight of eyes, you know, right? To kind of see what's going on, see things that maybe you're doing that you're maybe not even seeing. That's not always an option for everyone to be able to afford a coach to help them out. So the biggest thing I suggest people do, and they don't always like to hear this because they just want you to tell them what to change 
and it's very individualized. So what I always tell people to do is number one, just find out what you're currently doing. Don't change a thing. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing or how they're going about doing it. Just whether it's a journal or whether it's tracking in your phone or whatever works best for you, take a week. And that's a hard commitment for a lot of people. The average person, that's a lot of committing their time and energy to themselves to just take a journal. Mm -hmm. And for one week, document, document what you're eating, document what you're drinking, what your physical activity looks like, what your sleep looks like, and give yourself a week to really be honest with yourself. Well, because a lot of us, we aren't always honest with what we're truly doing. Right. So take the time to really just commit to it, be honest, and don't change anything. And then look back and kind of see, you know, what you're doing well and what you're not doing well. And it doesn't always take a professional to tell you what that is. I think it's just being honest with yourself and really looking at some of those behavioral patterns that you have in place and saying, all right, what am I doing really good? Let's keep that up. Or where can I improve? Like, what can I do just a little bit better? Or what am I willing to change? And what am I willing to maybe, you know, cut back on here or there? And just starting Mm -hmm. out there for a lot of people, it sounds very simple, it sounds basic, but there's a lot of people that don't want to start there. (laughs) So that's the biggest thing I think is just really taking a good, hard, honest look at yourself and be honest about what needs to get changed. Yeah, I think so many people, they want either the quick solution, like the one secret, you know, that's really going to help them break through, or they want the perfect plan. Like just once I have the perfect plan, everything will be easy. But in reality, like information in the early stages of someone just trying to get healthier, information is almost never the problem. Like people know that they shouldn't drink a liter of soda every day. People know that they should not sit on the couch all day. Like There are basic things that we all know, but if we're not honest about what we're doing, we can't even like address it. Absolutely. You know, it's very true. And even the most intelligent, successful individuals in this world struggle with obesity. And it's like you said, it's not because they don't have the knowledge or the education. It's being able to kind of prioritize and and take a look at what you're doing and finding a better way of doing it. So there isn't clear-cut answer for every person. And that's the biggest thing I get to is people will write to me like, here are my macros. Here's my weight. What should I be doing to fix this? And I get that so much. Yeah. Right. You know, you see it a lot. And I always tell people like, I'm sorry, it wouldn't be ethical of me to try to give you advice because of this like two sentence paragraph you wrote me on your life. I can't help you with that. It's not fair to you. There isn't one way of doing this. It's got to be what works best for you. And it that is going to be a little bit different for everyone. Mm-hmm. I always say like the nutrition side and the training side, like, yes, that's based in science. Like there are scientific principles at play, but the actual application and deciding right. like how to apply it to your life, or your client's lives is an art, right? And right. like most of us, when we start in art class in elementary school, like our stick figures even suck, you know, like art is one of those things that you have to practice and study and like just trial and error and get better and like not be afraid to mess up. And it's the same thing when it comes to figuring out what a lifestyle that's like healthy is going to look like for you. Right. And it's a continuum and it's ongoing, you know, it's not going to be like, one day you wake up and you have it all figured out. It it doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way for any of us. 
for us dietitians and those of us in the fitness industry, it's an ongoing journey of kind of, you know, tweaking your approach based on your life at that time and all those other variables in our life that impact our health and our nutrition. So, right. Yeah. And even if you do feel like you have it figured out, that lasts for like a day and then the next oh, day yeah. something changes. Exactly. So, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You never just get to like coast really, but that's kind of what makes it fun and challenging. And I think it's just a matter of like looking at it as a challenge and something for you to like work through instead of something that's scary and like so just like so much pressure. People put so much pressure on themselves and are afraid to mess up instead of just like trying. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So at the core, I think of just good nutrition and a healthy lifestyle, a huge thing is obviously habits. Like habits just really form everything that we do and they're kind of the foundation of a healthy lifestyle. And a lot of times people just say, okay, well, you just have to start. You just have to do it. But for someone that hasn't been able to stick to habits, like that's not going to do anything for them. So do you have any insights as far as what what strategies people can use to either make better habits or break bad habits? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think we definitely need habits in place. And it's as we know, we can't always rely on motivation, right? Because it is fleeting. It comes and it goes. But it can be used to your advantage at times if you are struggling to create a new habit. For instance, if we're talking about working out, if you're someone that never works out and you just don't know how to start that, I think it's okay to kind of use a little motivation to get that started. You really have to kind of think about your overall purpose if you have goals, right? You have to think about what's really driving you to get there because we can approach every day and say, I want to lose five pounds want to lose five pounds, but it's not just going to magically happen unless we put some types of action in place. And Mm -hmm. it can be hard for any of us because we're all super busy. It's going to be 2019. All of us just have more and more on our plate in the world that we're living in. So you have to really think about what's your purpose and what's driving you to that goal and why it's important to you and, and making it important. And the only person that can do that is the person themselves. So really kind of peeling back the layers a bit of what's going on in someone's life can kind of help them to figure out how to get that habit in place. Yeah. I don't know if I have like one great go-to tip. (laughs) For me, it honestly is just like for the gym, for instance, it's just getting up and not thinking about it. You know, I think a lot of times we spend so much time thinking about the things that we want to do or should be doing that if we just did it, we would already have it done, if that makes sense. (laughs) You know, for sure. Yeah, we sit there and we think about, well, if I do this, then I'm, I'm going to be missing on that or and we sit there and we him and we haw about what we should and shouldn't do a time doing that. So I think sometimes we do just need to put a little fire under our butt and get moving. Mm -hmm. Like just take the action, no matter how messy it is, no matter how much you don't want to do it. Like once you start rolling, momentum picks up, but overall it's just like taking ownership for like what's going on and doing stuff, even though it's hard, because at the end of the day, like Life is hard no matter what, let's be honest. Like you can choose your hard of like, I'm overweight, I'm unhealthy, I don't have energy, I'm not confident in my body. Like all of that stuff is very hard. And then also like working out every day is hard. Staying on top of your diet is really hard. Like making sacrifices to be healthy is hard. They're both really hard. But 
personally, I would rather have the healthy side of hard rather than unhealthy side, you know? So like either way, it's hard, but you get to choose which one. That's right. And life's going to go on either way, right? Whether you choose Mm -hmm. to or not choose to. And it really kind of depends on what stage you're at. But, you know, I usually use the stage of change model, you know, looking at someone who's either in pre-contemplation or whether there's someone who's ready to put something in action, you know, usually folks when they're in that pre-contemplation stage where, you know, they really want to lose weight, but it's not a priority to them. It doesn't matter who they work with, who they hire, who they talk to. They're probably not going to put any changes in place. They're probably not going to take any action because they just aren't ready. And until they're ready, you know, you have a choice. Like you said, you just kind of have to either be okay with your choices or be unhappy if that's what makes you unhappy, you know? Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing is people are looking for motivation in the wrong places. Like, like you said, motivation can be really powerful and can be really, really helpful if you know how to internalize it, find like true motivation that really resonates with you and like impacts your life. Like for me, having a flat stomach is like not motivation because that's not going to actually make my life any better. Like maybe a short term, I could like stick to a new plan for a week with that, but that's not going to make a lifestyle change. And another type of motivation I see a lot of people trying to use is like fear like they're almost trying to bully themselves or like scare themselves into doing things like whether that's I don't know do you know what I mean like they just are using negative motivation to get them going and do you find that that's effective or not not at all I mean I see that with some folks that you know really have a poor relationship with themselves in terms of self-esteem and they've just created this where they're used to kind of that punishment and that negative self-talk. And it doesn't create healthy habits. It doesn't create healthy behaviors. Even if someone's doing that and is at a healthy body weight, it's most likely creating havoc on your body, on your internal self, causing a lot of inflammation, anxiety, things of that nature. And yeah, I have seen that quite a bit. And that's definitely not the way to sustain a healthy lifestyle. Right. Because even if your actions like from the outside, they look like it's a healthy lifestyle, like you're working out, you're eating healthy food. If it's coming from a negative place and it's causing all this stress and anxiety, the net effect is still negative. Right. Yeah. So when it comes to using like fear as a motivation, I think either people use fear as a motivation or like the media tries to use fear as a motivation too. So there's a lot of fear-mongering, which is like creating fear out of a threat that may or may not exist. Like we're not really sure, but we make it a threat. And especially in nutrition, that's super common, like on Dr. Oz or like there's a new news article every single day (laughs) claiming that a certain food can prevent cancer. And then the next day, that same food apparently can cause cancer. Like it's so back and forth. And so how do people know like how to separate the facts from the lies? Right. So that's a great point. It's it's super confusing. And I don't know if this is a popular opinion, but I tell people to not really pay attention to most of that because mm-hmm. a lot of times what happens is it literally just clogs up people's minds. They kind of lose sight of what 
basic healthy eating is, which I know everyone kind of has a little bit of a different definition of, but people then begin to nitpick every little thing. And you could nitpick every piece of food you put in your body, the air that we breathe, the environment that we live in, the friends you surround yourselves with, everything could kill us one way or another. Right. So you kind of have to pick and choose your battles with what you're going to pay attention to and what you're going to let dictate your food choices. As a consumer, I think we all have to take responsibility for our own actions and take responsibility for what type of information out there we're going to listen to and becoming more informed on where to get good information from. So I don't think Dr. Oz is always the best place (laughs) to get your information from. And I know a lot of people swear by that and he's made a living out of it. And it's not to say everything he says is incorrect, but you know, your news articles, you see blog posts, you see random.com sites that have these articles like you're discussing that, you know, one day coffee's horrible for you and the next day it's the best thing for you. And, and the list goes on. So I think it's important. And I know it's hard that not everyone has a science background. So not everyone really understands what good research looks like, but still being informed enough to take the time to really look at what someone's telling you, what are their credentials, where are they getting their information from? And same with anything that you see online too. You know, am I looking at a research article or am I just looking at a blog site where it's someone's interpretation of some type of research? Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many variables there to what makes research good research. And, you know, we know that when we have a science background, but the average person doesn't. So it does make it very confusing. Obviously, for me being a dietitian, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics is my governing body. And they do put out a lot of good information, a lot of good position statements on popular topics, things like artificial sweeteners, you know, different topics like that, that people often get confused about. And I think that's a really good reason. For a lot of people to kind of go back to if they're getting confused on it on a certain food group, you know, is dairy really horrible for me or is it okay? So that's one good place to take a look at if you're not able to work with a professional who can guide you on correct information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the staying in your own lane and just like not paying a lot of attention to that stuff is really important and something that people might be surprised to hear from a dietitian. Right. And I think it's so important because when you have information overwhelm and you have so many conflicting opinions, typically people will just do nothing. Like they're like, well, it seems like if I go left, it's wrong. If I go right, it's wrong. So I'm just going to stay here instead of like picking and just going. Correct. Yeah. I've had people that will see me eating a Greek yogurt and they're like sitting there with their fast food. And they're nitpicking me about like, how are you eating dairy? That's supposed to be so bad for you. Yet their own actions aren't reflecting healthy behaviors, you know? So I think we get so caught up in all those things that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do that, like you said, we don't do anything because we're so confused Mm -hmm. or it makes the situation worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just going off of that, like when we're so sucked into what the new research is saying and what studies are showing, which by the way, the phrase like studies show blank is one of the most right. annoying phrases ever because you don't even know what those studies are. If they're good exactly. studies, like there's so much bad science out there that I don't think people even understand that you can just pay to get put in a journal. And like, right. There's so much unregulated stuff when it comes to nutrition information out there. And so 
when people are like looking at that stuff, they just need to stay in their own lane because when you are so hyper aware and when you are just going off of whatever the latest articles on the internet are saying, not even latest studies, but just the latest media, if you're just going off of that and you apply every single rule to your life, like you will drive yourselves crazy. It's great to be aware of what you're putting in your body, but it can go way too far. Right. There'll probably literally be nothing left for you to eat because (laughs) everything that you see, it tells you you ultimately can't eat anything from any food group. I mean, there's so many different conflicting ideas out there about how we're supposed to be eating. So Mm -hmm. it really does come back to your own self and, and starting to learn what works best for you. And it's staying in your own lane, like you said, not worrying about if your coworkers or if, you know, your fitspos are doing one certain diet. It's really paying more attention to yourself and to your body. And I don't even mean the weight on the scale. I mean how you are feeling on a day-to-day basis. And that's something that I ask my clients. And, you know, it's like, how do you feel day-to-day? You know, are you feeling energetic? Are you feeling groggy? Are you moody? And paying more attention and putting more value into that and playing around with what you're eating and finding what makes you feel best. Yeah. So I would love for people to kind of focus their efforts more on that, more internally versus, and I'm not saying don't, you know, pay attention to research and things like that. But I do think a lot of it just makes people more confused. Right. You just need to be self-aware of like, if it's actually serving you or if it's just creating more rules that don't need to be there. And so I'm curious as to like, so you mentioned a few of the things like whether you feel groggy versus energized, things like that. Like what are some things that people can look to and like check off the boxes as far as if they know that what they're eating is agreeing with them versus not? Like in terms of what different things they should be looking for in their food or like... So how if someone is eating... Like symptoms. Yeah. Like if someone is eating a diet yeah. that really works for them and is compatible yeah. with their body, like how should they be feeling? Okay. Yeah. So I think a few different things. One of the things I tell people to think about is the hunger scale and thinking about their satisfaction because that's really important too. There's a level of not overfeeding in a meal time and getting yourself to kind of on a scale of one to 10, like a seven to an eight, where your body feels satisfied, you've given it what it needs. So that's one thing I ask people to pay attention to in thinking about, so are they feeling overly full? Are they feeling groggy? Are they feeling cranky or moody? As I mentioned, also in Loading. That's something that's talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of clients that come to me and they have these unidentifiable causes of blow and they're just they're so frustrated and they don't know where to begin. So that's another thing we want to look at if you're feeling bloated when, you know, after what meal, what were you eating? Other things, you know, along with bloating or other digestive symptoms. So are you having gas? Are you having issues going to the bathroom, whether it's constipation? or diarrhea, looking at all those different symptoms and how that kind of impacts your energy levels throughout the day, your mood, and also your sleep too, because what you may or may not be eating can also be impacting your sleep and how well you're sleeping may or may not be impacting your food choices the next day. So 
Does that kind of, did yeah. I kind of answer your question? No, yeah, that okay, was so all right. good. I just wanted like okay. factors that people should be looking to as far as like, is this working for me or is it not? Because the phrase like yeah. listen to your body, it's so important, but yeah. it's also super ambiguous. So if someone's not used to tuning right. in and like seeing if something's working yeah. for them, they're probably like, I don't even know where to start. Like, what am exactly. I looking for? And also if someone's been dealing with something for a very long time, like that's their right. normal and they sometimes right. need someone to be like, hey, this is a problem. This is a red flag in order to like right. even identify what's going on. Right. Yeah. And so often we just want to focus on the calories and the mm-hmm. weight and the numbers that we forget to focus on all that other stuff that really our body tells us. And those are great health indicators of what's going on. You know, if you wake up every day and you don't feel good most of the day, something probably needs to change, whether it is in your diet or your lifestyle in general, but we need to take the cues from our body. And it can be really hard because again, it takes a lot of attention and mindfulness to what you're doing and really kind of tracking it and taking a look at it. And not everyone wants to do that because it is time consuming. It's not the sexy approach. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to play the long game. And it's also like so normalized in our society to not feel good, it seems like. Like everyone talks about, you know, crashing every afternoon and needing like a venti coffee and like waking up with no energy or breaking out or whatever. And like, yeah, it's it's somewhat normal for those things to happen occasionally. But if that's happening to you every day that shouldn't be normal yet it like kind of is in our society. And so I think a lot of people are walking around in like a health state that's not as high as it could be, but they don't even realize how good they could feel. Right. Yeah. A lot of people just feel, they feel stuck and they feel very hopeless sometimes when it comes to making these changes. I think it becomes so overwhelming. I hear that a lot of times that it's just, it's too overwhelming or they think they can't do it. They feel like they can't commit to it. So they just instead accept how they feel. They accept those feelings of crappiness every day. They accept low self-esteem and they just accept it that that's their destiny and that's who they are. Mm, Yeah. You know, which is really sad, but that's why, you know, I try to, you know, put out in the world, (laughs) I try to make people know that it doesn't have to be drastic changes. They're small, little changes have to commit to getting to the weight you're at at high school. Oh, yeah. You know, that's not realistic for most people. But even if you just focused on adding more fruit in your diet or eating more vegetables and still leaving all the other crap in there, you know, even something small like that can make a beneficial impact on people. And again, small changes aren't always what people want to hear. No. But oftentimes that's what's realistic and that's what gets the ball rolling for people. Mm-hmm. And that's what's actually going to stick. Like everyone wants the quick win. Everyone wants the quick fix. But if you can't right. maintain that, then you're not going to be able to maintain the results. Like, you know, those magazines that are at like grocery store checkouts and it's like, this diet will make you lose right. 10 pounds in 10 days or like on Pinterest. And it's like the hard boiled egg diet yeah. and bullshit like that. Like none of those uh, things are actually going to last. Like even growing up, I watched my parents do like the cabbage soup diet and like random yep, shit like same. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just obviously the way back every time. And that's what's going to continue to happen as long as someone's looking for 
the quick fix, which it's not sexy to play the long game. So how can you shift? It's not. Yeah. Like how can you <laughs> make it more or like help people understand and get them out of that cycle of like continuously looking for the newest quick fix? You know, one thing I like to ask people is really like when I, I ask people about their weight history and what's worked for them in the past and what hasn't, and we go through it and they've been on these multiple diets and each and every time mm-hmm. they're unsuccessful with it. And we talk about why they, well, why weren't you unsuccessful with it? And it's because they couldn't sustain it. And so I don't work with people who want quick fixes because I ethically can't prescribe someone a quick fix. It's against my code of ethics. And So when I talk with people who feel like that's all they can do and that's what they have to do, I try to meet them in the middle a little bit. And when I say that, I mean, you know, sometimes to get people going, they do need a little bit drastic changes. That's okay. If that's what someone needs, you can make some big changes from the start. If they're on board with it and it's changes they are saying they want to make, then sometimes I'll meet them in the middle and say, okay, let's start here. Let's start with these three changes you want to make. And then we'll kind of Mm -hmm. dial it in a little bit as we get going. Because, you know, most people do have that extreme all or nothing type approach when it comes to weight loss. So you may not necessarily be able to change that with someone. So for me, it's finding a way to kind of work with that, you know, find where their motivation is, find what they're willing to change behaviorally and and meet them in the middle. Yeah. I also really focus on trying to find quick wins in other ways because usually people's quick wins are like, I want to lose 10 pounds immediately yesterday. Like I want to wear X size or whatever. So I try to like shift their thinking of the quick wins that they want are like building new habits, having more energy, like things like that, that are actually going to serve them over the long run. And so I think if you can incentivize that and like make people proud and recognize that stuff, then that gives them the same kind of like reward that they were looking for, but it actually is going to serve them. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen that a lot with clients when their focus is more on weight, but they have thyroid issues or blood pressure issues. Mm. And so we might be at that three month point where they've been dieting and they're unhappy that they haven't maybe seen any changes on the scale at all, but they'll go to the doctor and their blood levels will show that they've made improvements that, you know, their blood pressure is better. Maybe they even get their medication lowered and that dosage lowered. And so that's always like a really rewarding win to the client. I think when they're so used to seeing like the physical rewards, the number on the scale to go to the doctor and actually see those other changes happening in our body that we can't always see day to day. That's always a great win. Right. Yeah. And mindset is really, really important. So let's shift gears a little bit and like talk about how food impacts mental health because mindset we just covered a little bit and it's so important, but also just the actual health piece of our headspace is so, so important. And I'm sure you see it all the time working in a psychiatric hospital and, you know, overseeing nutrition there. What is your opinion on how much our diet and our nutrition impacts our mental health? Yeah. So our diet has a huge impact on our mental health. Specifically, there's a lot of different things that we can add to our diet or that might be missing in our diet that can really lead to different types of mental health issues. There's a lot of research on ADHD in particular, because at the hospital I work at, we do have a large children population. So ADHD is really, really common. And 
there's so much research to support the diet and how that's impacting it in terms of, you know, what they see as like the higher sugar, more processed foods, the higher junk foods can really increase or worsen ADHD symptoms. Mm. So that's a biggie in the children's population that we serve at the hospital. In our adult population, one of the big things that we look at is the role of omega-3s and DHA and DHA and how much omega-3 they're getting in their diet, which oftentimes with the patients that we have at our level of care, once they're institutionalized like that, you know, their diet is often very poor. Like I'm speaking generally, but the majority of them have a very poor diet. Their focus is not on the diet whatsoever. They're not even thinking about their diet. They're thinking about staying out of the hospital. You know, they're focused on other things beyond how hearty their diet is. Mm-hmm. But omega-3s has been shown that anti-inflammatory property that we get from omega-3s, that really does play into our brain health, the serotonin levels or dopamine levels. And serotonin and dopamine really impact how we feel on a day-to-day basis. It really impacts our mood, essentially. So, you know, if we're someone, just the average person that's on a day-to-day feeling depressed, feeling generally just kind of low, an area to look at might be omega-3s and how much you're consuming because that might be something that could help make a huge difference in the average person. Mm-hmm. And even being deficient in like certain vitamins and minerals and stuff like that can have a huge impact as well. Like absolutely during the winter, a lot of yeah. people take vitamin D, you know, because that's really helpful in combating like seasonal affective disorder, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And even just like, again, here with the small changes that we make, just adding in a bit more nutrient dense food, swapping out and having more nutrient dense foods in your diet versus the higher processed, high sugar foods, you could see changes in how you feel. And I can even just say it on a personal level, you know, when I've had days where I eat higher sugar for a few days or higher sodium, all those really tasty, palatable foods, they almost feel somewhat addictive Mm -hmm. in nature where you just want to keep eating more. But then they can also, they kind of give you this high feeling and then they take you to a low where, you know, your body just wants more. And when you don't have it, you get in that depressive state. And that can happen to anyone. Not You don't have to be diagnosed with mental health issues, but we're really seeing more that the diet has a huge impact on our mental health in terms of depression and Mediterranean diet is also very huge. They've studied that quite a bit and linking that with depression and focusing a bit more on a Mediterranean style diet can help with depression as well. So really Mm. increasing your unsaturated fats in the diet and just eating more whole foods in general, they've shown really does help. Yeah. And I think It's really important to note too that when you are taking care of yourself and when you are exercising that type of self-love in the sense that you're like feeding your body what it really wants, that is very empowering and like kind of builds momentum to pick you up in other areas of your life too. So in that sense, like just stepping up for yourself can be really great for your mental health and gut health too. Like there's so much 
going on in the gut that people don't think about. And if you're only putting like super processed foods or foods that don't agree with you into your gut, like that's really going to inhibit the way you feel both physically and mentally. Like there's a huge tie between your gut and your brain, right? Right. Absolutely. Yep. Mm. And so it really does. You kind of have to start thinking more about how your body's feeling on a day-to-day basis and almost use that as your motivation, as your drive sometimes to make healthy choices. It's not always easy when there's, you know, especially this time of year, the holidays are here and there's a lot of tasty stuff around and it's real easy to grab that. But when you give yourself five, 10 minutes to really think about what's going to make you feel best at the end of the day, it may help you make a better choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I do see that with people kind of start when they get into their mojo, if you will, of making healthier choices. And then they have a day where they're like, oh, I went off the deep end. I didn't eat good. That's usually the first thing they say is I didn't feel well. My digestion's off. I feel tired. I feel kind of crappy, you know? So you immediately can feel those impacts mentally and physically. So yeah. Yeah. When you're feeling just meh, like it's not very motivating to make better choices. It's not until you like hit a certain wall or like a certain threshold where you really like get your act together. But if you're just meh, like you just want to continue being meh. Whereas if you feel good, like you have momentum and you want to continue feeling good. So it's just a matter of like shifting out of that gray area and getting to the good feeling and then you're motivated to stay there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we just talked about so much good stuff. And let's just recap, like, what are three tangible things that people can do to be healthier, whether that's adding something from their diet, taking something out of their diet, or like just changing the way they think about food? So yeah, I think to keep it really simple, number one, I would say drink enough water, which is a nutrient and a lot of people don't do. And not drinking enough water, you can very easily be eating food when you think you're hungry, but it's really mistaken for thirst. You're mistaking your thirst for hunger, excuse me. So making sure you're drinking adequate water throughout the day is not only going to make you feel better, feel more energetic, but likely help you to make better food choices. Mm -hmm. Number two, I would say just focus on the food groups. There's no need omit any food group unless you have a medical issue or something else underlying that you have to omit it. There's no need to unless it's making you feel bad. You know, just try to get a variety of foods from each of the food groups. And then lastly, I would say just being aware of your micronutrient intake in terms of making sure you are kind of getting fruits and vegetables in every meal if you can. That's usually the place where most people are lacking in their diet is fruits and vegetables, not eating enough. So try to take each meal that you eat throughout the day and plan food around your fruits and vegetables, but make that a staple part of your meals to make sure Mm -hmm. you are getting in adequate micronutrients. Yeah. What I see a lot and not just in people that aren't super like educated in nutrition, people that even are very educated in nutrition and technically do know better is they get really focused on like the macros or their macronutrients, especially with like the rise of flexible dieting. And all they look at is the nutrition panel on the food. They don't look at the ingredients. 
they are trying to like conserve carbs and fats or whatever in certain areas. So they cut out like vegetables so that they can eat a pop tart or like, you know what I mean? So it's just if you (laughs) only focus on macronutrients and you don't focus on micronutrients, you're missing out on so much of that stuff. And even though they're called micronutrients, you still need them. (laughs) The micro is just like implying the amounts in which you need them. Like you don't need to eat a pound of vitamin A in order to feel good, but you'd actually probably feel terrible. But you know what I mean? Like you need to eat a good amount of the right stuff in order to get small amounts of the micronutrients that they provide. Right. I mean, we are an overfed society. We are an overfed world. Yeah, we have all these micronutrient deficiencies that exist and they really shouldn't when we are living. Yeah, we're living in a world of overweight and obesity being the majority of us. Um, The majority of us are not a healthy weight. So it's really wild to think about the fact that we're overfed, but still have these deficiencies. So Mm -hmm. that tells you right there, we're not getting enough nutrient dense foods in our diet. Yeah, I think that's such a good reminder. Yeah. And yeah, it's not about being perfect, but it's about being mindful and like doing what's going to be best for your body, especially in the long run. So thank you for all of the great reminders and just reminding us that it doesn't have to be that complicated. It doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yes. (laughs) Amen to that. And so I'm sure people now want, you know, more of what you have to offer. They want to watch your dietitian talks. They want to follow you on Instagram. So where can they find you? Um, you guys can find me everywhere. Kara Corey Fit Life. Cool. Kara Corey Fit Life on YouTube, Instagram, and my email as well. Kara Corey Fit Life at Gmail. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. But before we go, there's one last question. And that is because this is a Grind and Be Grateful podcast, we have got to know what is one thing that you are currently grinding for and what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? Okay. So I'm currently grinding for, I'm just continuing to increase my own education of health. I'm doing some trainings on the side and just trying to kind of up my game a little bit for social media and for the clients that I work with, continue to put out really good content and hopefully increase everyone's information on gut health because there still is so much being learned about it. It's a lot that I didn't learn when I was Mm -hmm. in college. So that's what I'm grinding for. Grateful. You may appreciate this one, Marie. I'm going to say I'm grateful for my dog. Okay. Because, all right, his attitude. All right. When I get up in the morning, his little hello world attitude where he's just wiggling and like tails wagging and he's just so happy. And his attitude, like it always reminds me to just be thankful and this sounds silly, but I try to attack my day like my dog because he's so happy and simple things make him happy. And why can't we do that? You know, just being appreciative for that. Oh, I totally agree. How can you not smile when like your dog is so happy over the simplest things? And I always look at my dog, Rosie, and she gets so excited every time I feed her. And I'm like, wow, if I could be that excited about (laughs) eating a perfectly balanced meal and eat the same thing every day, it's so much easier (laughs) to eat healthy. I know, right? Yeah. My dog's like so pumped when I give him his supplements in the I morning. Know. He's like, he's all for right. it. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, you guys need to go check out Kara's stuff because her dog is huge and adorable. And like, he kind of could be scary, but he's not because his right. personality is amazing. Yeah, he's a big baby. Yeah, so go check Kara out. Go check her dog out, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Wayne. And That's right. Yeah, so go check Kara out. Tell her that I sent you. Say thank you for being on the show. And I I have to say thank you so much, Kara, for being in the show. It was awesome. And you just provided so 
so much value for everyone that tuned in. So I really appreciate you. Thank you, Marie. I really appreciate being here and and it's so good chatting with you. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends